It's time for the Buddy Martin Show and Podcasts. Yes, it's time again for Buddy Martin. Call him up and tell him what you're thinking. But be kind because he's doing the best he can. Better. Stronger. Faster. Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Good evening, happy Halloween on a Daniel L. Tower Wednesday, the Buddy Martin Show and Podcast. Glad to be with you, just back from the Ocala Quarterback Club, where I got a chance to hear Pat Dooley talk. Pretty good, pretty good talk tonight by Pat. I'll tell you about that in a minute. On the program tonight, it's time for, hmm, a mystery guest. I think it might be Edgar Thompson's Alter Ego. He looks like a one-time famous writer. You might recognize him. We'll tell you more about that. And then tonight, later on, Cassidy Hill, a bright young woman who does a really good job with the beat, covered Gator Sports for InsideTheGators.com. She'll join the program, get her take on a couple of things, including her tweet when she sent out over after the Georgia-Florida game saying that every one of the Gator football players stood there and sang the Alma mater after the loss to Georgia. I don't know what that means, but it sounds good, doesn't it? I think it's a step in the right direction. So uh, I'll say uh, I look forward to that. And, of course, Edgar's. And uh, also, good evening to David and uh, Michael, to, uh, to to James, to Lauren, to Roger over in uh, Ningbo, China, to Becky, to Jim, to Michael Matthews, Vanessa Lawton, Steve Young. And, by the way, Tell your friends and neighbors right now, we are we are actually eight people, according to what Lynn Tendle told me, eight people away from 5,000. I mean, it's just a milestone, seeing we started this less than a year ago. 5,000 people, we're going to hit it anytime now. It might be during the show, I just tweeted it out. So tell your friends if they haven't. Like and share this show, and then go tell them to go over to Gator Nation Kingdom and join up. And one of our moderators will uh, approve them. We might make it for the night's over. You never know. We should make it this week. 5,000. That's an amazing story of what has happened because of you. And thank all of you. And, of course, there's another 500 or so now listening to the podcast, which we do appreciate very much. So we're getting out there. Good job by the Crown Prince and Chad Rich and others along those lines. So this is Daniel L. Hightower on Wednesday. Daniel L. Hightower, lawyer fighting for accident victim justice since 1976. My good friend, sponsor for a long time. I do appreciate the support. I think I read today, just just a moment ago, that Willie McCovey died. I think that's accurate. And I try to think, this happened right now or did it happen some time ago? I just saw a headline. If so, the great Willie McCovey, the Giants 
Cubby's Cove and all that, RIP to him. The big news, after all the rigmarole at Maryland, all the complaining, all the investigating, all the things, Maryland came out in support of its coach, DJ Jerkin, saying they were dysfunctional, but they didn't fire him because the committee didn't find cause. Tonight he was fired. I heard someone say this today earlier. I forget who it was. I'd like to give him credit. I think it might have been on the XM Sirius Radio. It might have been Rick Neuheisel on his part. I'm not sure. I hate to do this. But I think there's something to it. Today, we want to fix something. We fire somebody. Gosh, who does that sound like? You're fired. Not political here. Has nothing to do with politics. But it seems like we always want to blame somebody and make them a scapegoat. I don't know the nuts about that case to really make a, a, a cogent comment about it. I've heard both sides talking about it superficially, and I don't want to comment till I know more. I just say this. It's not the first player to die in football. And by the way, it's tragic. Don't get me wrong. To feel terrible for the parents. But as someone said tonight at the quarterback club, can you really blame the coach for that? I don't know. The culture. Anyway, that's another one of those things in college football. Not a pretty picture. Uh, all right. I want to do this. I want to go ahead and, um, I want to say something. I want to say that uh, Pat Dooley, uh, uh, does a good job. We talk about him, uh, on the show occasionally. Some of you don't like traditional media, but, uh, Pat tonight did an excellent job of talking about some of the things. And here we are. Uh, the two old sports writers. I'm older. He's getting older. Uh, and, uh, Pat, Pat made a couple of good comments. I thought his comment about he thinks FSU Florida is going to be a noon game on PBS. And that's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. And uh, he talked a little bit about the situation with the quarterbacks. He was asked if he thought there would be a change between now and next year. He said there could be, but he said he didn't think that's the direction that Mullen's going to go and that uh, he didn't know why Kyle Trask hasn't played any uh, to speak of. And, of course, we know Emory Jones is going to get a couple of games. And then there's Jalen Jones next year. So, Pat, uh, supportive, supportive of, uh, of, 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 uh, Dan Mullen, and he likes what Mullen does with the media. He feels good about the program right now. And so, uh, that was his take on it. I won't go into a great deal of it. So that's what's happening there. I do want to take a quick break and say, uh, talk about this for a second. And then we're going to go get Edgar on, uh, and talk to him about, uh, uh, what's going on in, uh, in his world. Uh, and his alter ego, which I, who I think has changed, has checked in. Why can't I get this picture off the screen? There it is. Um, and let me do this. Um, let me just go ahead and say, I want to welcome the sponsor on this dang lot hour Wednesday. Uh, and, uh, and I want to talk about, uh, the folks. Tony doing a good job. We're looking for some more goods and we'll have some stuff to show you soon. Uh, and what I really wanted to tell you about was, uh, this place, a very special place, a place that I have been, uh, uh, knowing shopping at for many, many decades. Uh, since we're talking about new fall lineups for a sports team, well, how about a new fall lineup for your wardrobe? 
Uh, Grinish for Men has a, a name, Ocala tradition since 1962. You should drop by Grinish in Ocala and see David or Brandon or one of the gang for some advice on your wardrobe. It'll put you right. Uh, no matter your generation, you're never going to be out of style there, out of step with wardrobes. So you shop at Grinish, dedicated to delivery of the highest quality in men's clothing. Check out their new long sleeve shirts line for crisp fall weather. I may drop in this week and see if David has a windbreaker for me in this cool weather. They've got it all at Grinders, including the look, the traditional classic look. There you see the store located at uh, 405 East Servicing Boulevard in Ocala. Grinders for men, an Ocala tradition since 1962. So, uh, uh, yes, Edgar, I'm coming right now. As a matter of fact, I'm calling you right now. Uh, and we'll pick up the conversation. I wonder if Edgar's there. How's your Halloween going, by the way? How is your Halloween going? Uh, what's, I, I, I drove down the street and I come back from quarterback club and, uh, I saw all these lights and the, these, these cars park. I thought, what is going on here? And I said, Oh, I know what's going on. It's trick or treat time. It's Halloween time. And so I then call this guy and, you know, I don't know if you know this famous author or not. He appears to be in character, or he, oh my goodness, looks a lot like a guy used to write for Rolling Stone. What was that guy's name? Hunter Turner? No. What was his name? Hunter Thompson? Oh, wait a minute. Is he Edgar Thompson's alter ego or his cousin? I can't tell which, is that Hunter or is that Edgar? How are you? Good evening, sir. You you realize, buddy, my dad's name is Hunter Thompson. No kidding. E. Hunter Thompson. His is E. Hunter Thompson? So he wow. was born in 1939 in Richmond, Virginia. Yeah. And Hunter S. Thompson, who's my idol, by the way. Uh-huh. He's what got me inspired to go into writing. Really? Among other things. Uh-huh. He, well, we don't have to talk about uh, the other things tonight. It'll throw us off the is, air. He uh-huh. was born in 1937 in Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Another Southerner. Look, I even have the gun. I even have this prop. Look I mean, out now. Look out now. Be careful about that. I don't want you to get in trouble. It's not a, it's a plastic. I know, gun. but those are the things the cops tell you to be careful it's about. Plastic. I don't want guns. I know. I, know. I have a shotgun with five rounds. Okay. Of I, I don't want to get you in any more trouble. Okay. I got you in trouble one time. I, I feel have, terrible I about that. I don't want to get you in more trouble. I got you, man. No, Hunter S has gotten me into trouble. I mean, I started reading Hunter S when I was about 17 years old. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's a, just a crazed genius. I would, I wish I could say the same for myself, but he, he was a brilliant man, tortured, but brilliant. And I encourage anybody who's watching this show to read some of his works because he was, he was pretty amazing. He's a journalist first and foremost. Well, you know, he lives in Colorado, and he actually quoted some. He quoted something out of my column, the Denver Post, one time. Did he really? He I did, and it, it was back in the days when uh, hard drugs, cocaine hit the. You know, David Thompson was heavily involved in it, and the NBA was heavily involved in it, and there was all kind of speculation. We didn't know how to report the story, and uh, I wrote a line saying, uh, "When there's a story in, uh, coming out that Wall Street brokers were doing cocaine." Turns out there was a whole epidemic on Wall Street, and I wrote a line saying, "It turns out that the guys in the in the in the expensive suits were doing the same thing the guys were in the short pants, you know." Uh-huh. And he used nice. the line. Uh, well, you wrote time. that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, but anyway. Great line. Anyway, uh, but that's well, either here or there. Spencer Haywood, who played in Denver early in his ABA yeah. career, 
was a notorious Coke user, yeah. and David Thompson, of course. So, yeah. but yeah. the '70s, man, the NBA was a rough oh, league, boy. man. And, and part of it was they didn't plan travel well. They'd be shooting teams from Seattle to, yeah. you know, Chicago to Phoenix. I mean, it, they just didn't have a plan. I mean, they're they're figured it out now with the, with the swings and things. Anyway, but yeah, Hunter S, man. I encourage All right. anybody. Hunter times Hunter. appreciate my costume. What's your favorite book of his? I mean, Fear and Loathing on the campaign. Yeah, trail probably the classic. Trail. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's just brilliant. I mean, and it's not like some onerous, like you know, political book. It's it's like, but it's six hundred pages. You better be dedicated to it. But it's brilliant writing, and not always easy to comprehend, but brilliant, but brilliantly written. If you can hang in there with it. It's, no, a, it's a way above my head sometimes. I have to stop and read the sentence over. It's not like reading Faulkner, don't get me wrong. No, but, it uh, isn't like that. I think it's pretty breezy. I mean, mm-hmm. and the thing people think about it is because he made it like look so easy. Like, oh, he's just dashing this off on his keyboard. Oh, but it's no, man. He apparently was like, paint, you know, tortured over every paragraph sentence. I mean, he was a true like writer. I mean, mm-hmm. we like bang out sports stories and do a decent job at it, whatever, you know, according to whomever. But, uh, and some people think we're horrible at it, but Hunter S was an absolute, he was a novelist. He was a genius. He he was incredible. I mean, he was one of the great writers of that era, along with Tom Wolf, Norman Mailer, and a few others, Phil Roth and others. Do you remember a book called Exodus? Um, okay, who wrote it? Bestseller. Uh, yeah. And he wrote a number of them, as a matter of fact. Who wrote it? Uh, I'm going to tell you in a second. I'm drawing a blank here. Okay. The reason I'm, I'm telling you this is that he actually covered the Super Bowl for us. Um, okay. uh, and, and, and the Broncos Super Bowl. He sat in the press box. Uh, he had he had a lot of number. What the heck was the guy's name now that I said that? I'm thinking. Uh, anyway, I remember I talked to him about writing a book. It. I'll find it. Uh, but I'm, here, one last thing on Hunter S. And then we'll move yeah. on to Gators because yeah. nobody gives a gives a uh, damn right but uh, but i think but i think people you know i mean i'm not some high-minded intellectual here but i'm telling you man hunter s thompson was norman mailer was quoted as saying that william s burroughs and hunter s who wrote naked lunch back in the 50, 40s mm-hmm. 50s excuse me and his whole he was a heroin addict and had just these crazy right that stuff was hard to read i mean Mm -hmm. i still can't i don't understand half what Mm -hmm. he was talking about or more but he and hunter s thompson were the only two american writers possessed of genius was the comment from norman mailer a two-time pulitzer winner um one of the greatest just just an absolute Mm -hmm. giant and uh, I think Tom Wolf belongs in that category too, who just passed away recently. Yes, but, yeah, yes. That's my era, man. I was born, I, buddy. You and I should be the same. Yeah, age. yeah. Because you're. I was born too late. Yeah, yeah. I, I was. was born too early. You were born too late. So there you well, go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's. Uh, well, we'll tell stories I on. Find, I didn't find who wrote Exodus. Yeah, you, it's Exodus. a well-known name. I'm sorry, I drew a blank. He sat there. I remember talking to him about books. About I wanted to write books. He said. Five percent of the people make their living writing books. You have to have a, yeah, have exactly. a day job. Anyway, exactly. they turn well, out last to be, thing, last thing on Hunter S. Yeah. He wrote an article in 1970 for Playboy magazine. Yeah, which when people say they read it for the articles, everybody always like snickered. Right. 
Playboy magazine had incredible writing in it for many years. And Hunter S. Thompson wrote an article called The Kentucky Derby is Decadent and Depraved that came out in 1970. Mm -hmm. He went to the Kentucky Derby and wrote about just craziness of the event. He stirred it up with like some thing about Black Panthers were going to invade and Mm -hmm. got all the, you know, the rednecks and the local all up in the arms. It it was great. But it's in the 20th century, the book on the 20th century's greatest sports writing. Okay, mm. we're talking the entire century. There was a book put out, and it's like this thick. Yeah, I mean, literally, it's like a thousand pages, yep. fifteen hundred pages. It's in there. Leon Uris. <clears throat> Leon Uris is the author. Yeah. All right, so this is we're we're enjoying this. Nobody else is, but that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, there are several comments here. Uh, Brent English talks about uh, fear and loathing. Uh, uh, yeah. Somebody said you look like the Giants' football coach. I don't know. Do I? I, I, I don't know. Like, you look a lot like Hunter S. You'd be surprised. Yeah. This is it. bat country. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else we got here from people checking in? Uh, well, okay. Yeah, who wrote Exodus? I too badly still. No, no one. Edgar, they love you here. Don't worry about it. You know, look, you took a little liberty. Uh, you brought your Rangers self in. Uh, you were in, you know, you were doing a little. There's this other side of Edgar that people are just learning about. You know, slightly eccentric, which I like in people. I don't like everybody to be the same per- person, you know. So, look, let's get off this subject. I'm not going to psychoanalyze sure, you. Man. Let's, let's go, talk about let's go some to things. Gators, man. I mean, All right. I love All right. And I know you went to the basketball game there. last night. We won't talk about that yet because let's get tonight. Tonight, we there, 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 a of topics came up. And the obvious question is the same thing about the quarterbacks. And Dooley addressed it. And I mentioned that he's the belief that I said – that that really he's going to have to lose the job and that he's not going anywhere and that, yes, they'll play. We know they're going to play Emory Jones. This, this season he's not going anywhere. Yeah, and they was asked about next year. He said it's hard to say. Let's see who surfaces between now and then. So, anyway, what have you learned this week? I saw a couple of your tweets. What have you learned this week? What have I learned? Yeah, what have you learned? Uh, I think we're going to learn a lot on Saturday about whether this team's really dedicated to, like, having a great season i mean i think they say they are and i believe they are and i believe they believe they are but i think we're going to find out because missouri is not they're all in four in the sec they're not the tigers are not an easy out drew Locke is supremely talented he's a first round draft pick at quarterback by every projection he's having an off year because he's without his best receiver emmanuel hall um, their run game hasn't been great. Their defense has been porous. I mean, they're the last in the SEC in pass defense, which is good news for Felipe and mm-hmm. company. But I don't. Th- I think this is a game where I'm going. I mean, the Gators better play well because they could lose this game. I mean, they're six point favorites at home. I think now. Yes. I mean, that's not like significant. That's a field goal game because you get three points for home field advantage. So we're going to find out a lot about the Gators this weekend. And I believe that Dan Mullen is going to have them ready, and they're they and they are going to you know walk the walk and not just talk the talk and come out and put a pretty good performance together and I mean a pretty decent win, solid win and a good performance. But that remains to be seen. But what we learned from the Georgia game was a few things, I think. Yeah. And yeah. well, I think that we learned that Felipe Franks. Felipe has been 
humble. He's been polite. He's tried to answer your questions. He, you know, has worked hard. He has a lot of talent throwing the football. But anyone who watched that game the other day has to go, is this the guy who's going to take this team to the SEC title? I mean, am I wrong? I mean, it's like. No, I think I, I said to Monday, not that, I, not that I know anything more about it than you, I don't, <clears throat> that I think it's obvious that if you look at the models out there right now, <clears throat> and I've been a supporter of Felipe, as I say supporter, I, I can't really cast, I shouldn't be a supporter. I, I, I've been in favor. I've been I'm with in, you. I want him to do well. Yeah, I've been I've been in favor of Felipe and want him to do well. Nice and, but here's the thing: I think what changed is that uh, we're back to reality, and reality, and just like it's just what you said, you're not going to get to the big dance. Best case being the SEC, unless you have an upgraded quarterback. Because look at the people who are going to get there, and they've all upgraded their quarterbacks. You know, we, Jake Fromm is terrific. People were ripping him. Well, they're great, and he, he got the job either. done. And that's what Felipe's got to have to do. He's, he's going to have to answer the call. Yeah. He's accurate. Yeah. Felipe is not accurate when he starts getting into the mid and long, intermediate uh, range game. Yeah. I mean, deep. He can maybe hit a deep pass. That pass to Swain was like look like Aaron Rodgers threw. It. Well, that was wonderful. That was the NFL pass everybody's talking about. But then oh. he threw it right to the to the guy. And the worst worst in the, in the interceptions. I said this last night. I saw John Reeves throw nine interceptions for an NCAA record at Auburn. Okay, so this is not uh-huh. something new. Uh, the worst thing was losing the fumble. That to me was a situation that was really. And even though they had a wonderful goal line stand, the yeah, fact is you can't lose the ball down there in the one yard line. Like no, it's the cardinal sin there. Yeah. I mean, here, here's the thing with Felipe that he he frustrates you because of his physical, his, his stature, the arm. Um, He's I mean, he, tools. Does, he doesn't run like you know fluidly but he has some speed i mean he can at least you know he seems like he's tough you know he wants he'll he'll hang in there um with he'll run into guys he'll hang in there on the sacks the players love him his teammates really love him i mean the other day they were he was walking back to the uh, facility with van jefferson and trey grimes and this was last night before the exhibition game and he was shooting some photos with fans and those guys love him i mean they're I mean, he's roommates with Grimes and was with Jefferson this summer. So he has the team. They they want him to succeed. I just don't know if he's the guy, man. I mean, we'll, we're going to find out more, but he did not perform well the other day. And, and Dan Mullen wants to say he didn't regress, but I, I thought he did. But, you know, Thomas Goldcamp, who's my buddy, said – I don't know if he regressed. That's kind of what he is. It's like when he plays the good teams, you can't dink and dunk the good teams. And he's good at the dinking and dunking. When you got to go intermediate and downfield, that's when it gets hard. Well, I'll say this again, not to quote Dooley too many times tonight, but he had a perfect answer. This speaks this speaks to the issue. If they had somebody else better, they'd play him. Somebody said if you had to pull – Frank's out of the game. Who would you put in? He said Tebow. <laughs> I mean, that's Tebow. it. I mean, that's really basic. I mean, there is nobody else to put in the game. You, you, you know, you got who you got. And I said to a couple of my friends, I was at the door tonight when the, all the quarterback club people came in. And two or three said, what about Frank? What about Frank? What about Frank? You know, you listen to those questions. And, and I basically said, you know, I mean, 
you got what you got. If I said to you, I talked to a former Gator player from many years ago, and he brought up the Frank Tennis quarterback get it done. I said, look, if I'd have told you last June that you could have Franks as your quarterback and be 6-2 and two and ranked 11th in the country, would you have taken it? He said, in a heartbeat. So you got to put some perspective on it. They really are in good shape right here. And I think you mentioned this last week, and we mentioned it again. And I want to ask you about the bounce back because there's a lot to play for right now. I mean, look at this team at 11. Look what's going to happen to the top 10 teams. There's going to be a mad shuffle the next couple of weeks on the top 10 teams. There are going to be some open spots on people's dance card. And if you win your games, you've got a real good chance of being in the New Year's Day Bowl. Is it top six? Is that what it is? Or top, what yeah, is it? Well, top eight? Whatever it is. I can't remember. Well, 12, I mean, it's 12. It's six games. But Is it six games? I mean, in the New Year's Six, and that's what they call it. Okay, it's yeah, okay. Well then, you, well, then you should be in the New if you're at the top. They're going to be in the Citrus Bowl probably at worst. If they win everything. The if they win it. Yeah, if they win it. So, unless, but it'd be they'd rather be like in the Peach Bowl or something because those pay. Well, of course. Much. Look, there's going to be upsets. Things are going to happen. Think, yeah, I think they could get to the Peach Bowl this team. Hey, yeah. it's not even November today. Yeah. And all the big games are played when November. It's not even November. It's still early, and there's so much to play for this month, next month, starting tomorrow. And if they take care of business, to use the old cliche, they've got a wonderful opportunity ahead. Now, if I'm Mullen, I'm not thinking about changing my quarterback. I'm no. thinking about getting my DBs in shape a little bit, and I guess we will ask some questions about that. About, I understand Stewart was back at practice today, I heard. Um, I don't know if that's accurate or not. Is anybody out hurt? You have better information than I do on a lot of well, this Well, I stuff. don't know. These are guys. guys. Well, no, I'm, getting call, I'm getting called out for, like, not knowing. Look, I asked Dan Mullen a week ago today, is Brad Stewart suspended for the game? Why wouldn't he be? And I was like, well, the Internet, man. That's what my answer was. Well, you know why, Edgar? Because some of these people, I couldn't get it. Some of these people have friends that are on the team or family members on the team, and they have information. We got some people on this site right here. By the way, we are eight members from 5,000 tonight on our Get Nation Kingdom which you wanted about what it was. We have eight away from having the 5,000 members. These people are connected. I mean, there's some players, parents on this. They're going to tell a fan or tell someone they're a friend with more than they're going to try to tell Edward Thompson or Thomas Goldcamp or Nick Delatorre. Well, do you know where I got the story about Emory Jones from? Excuse me? Where I got the story, the tip on Emory Jones from. A guy out of state who has a friend with a a guy on the team. Okay, and, exactly. and, and that's you know that a reporter's not going to get that. I'm not going to get that. Go to practice. They don't let us in no, there. No, you can't. You're not going to get it. You got to get. You have to know somebody. Know somebody. That's all. And the coaches aren't sharing cell phones these days. I mean, that just yeah. th- those times are gone. You get coaches one day a week, maybe two if you're lucky. Yeah. You don't get cell phones. You don't get established relationships. It's fine. I mean, it, it's. It, Twitter and social media really changed the game a lot for us yeah. as reporters. Of course it did, yeah. It, because it's like say, people don't trust it. Like you can tell someone something, it's immediately on Twitter. I was in at the uh, Senior Bowl 2009 because it was the Harvin year. And I was telling Tony Pauline, who's a draft analyst, Percy Harvin's going to be incredible. I don't buy it. I'm like, he's the best player I've ever seen. Eh, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Jay Glazer, that's one story, but Harvin was rookie of the year that year. 
and then we saw what happened because mm-hmm. the injuries. Mm-hmm. So Pauline ended up being right. But Jay Glazer and I had a talk that night. And Jay Glazer was like, look, man, you can't report most of the stuff you hear. Mm-hmm. Because if you do, you shut off people and people aren't going to tell mm-hmm. you anything. Right. Well, this was 2009, man. People were not even on Twitter. Right. Man. I was, but few were. I mean, some were, some weren't. By the way, I Still, was. Incidentally, I was on Twitter in 2009. Believe it or not. I was. Well, everyone's on Twitter now. No, so no. People I'm, I'm don't sure. trust that, that, like, oh, I can tell Edgar something or Mark Long or whomever we're talking about, buddy, and it isn't going to get tweeted out or, like, message board or, boarded or whatever. It's just a different culture, man. So that stuff goes through other people. And I'm not making excuses. I mean, oh, really, yeah. I'm just saying that's, that's just the way. That's just the way you're good. That's the rule that's of the judgment. reality. That's I go to I go to interviews, ask questions, right. try to like stories. So give me, be diligent, and do the best I can uh, to provide information yeah. from practices and things. But yes, Brad Stewart returning would be huge. Yeah. C.J. Henderson's going to be back. Sounds like by all accounts. All right, couple, Brad, couple. Yeah, a couple questions real fast. On excuse me for interrupting you. Uh, uh, someone wants to know why won't Mullen burn Jones redshirt? Well, I think I know the answer to that, but let's hear yours. Well, you know, I I personally think he should. Do you tell you the truth? Uh, he has five games to go, including a bowl game. I say play the guy, get him acclimated. Don't, I mean, you're not going to play him tons, but you're going to play him enough. Get him acclimated. Get him up to the speed. He is not going to be your starting quarterback for four straight seasons. Show me. I think I lost you, Edgar. Are you there? Okay, there you are. I lost part of that on the uh, internet. On the, uh, you still there, Edgar? Yeah, I'm afraid we lost Edgar. So uh, let's see if we can. He's calling us back. Hold on a second here. All right, stand by, folks, so we can get Edgar back on. You there? All right, Edgar, I've lost you. Yeah, I lost Edgar. All right, Edgar, stand by. Stand by, Edgar. We lost you. We have to come back to you later. Get going, man. Edgar, can you hear me? Can you hear me, Edgar? Yeah, Decker's not hearing me. I have to do this. Uh, we'll take this real quick break and come back in just a moment and uh, see if we can't uh, check out what Edgar's connection problems are. No one ever plans a car accident. Having a plan after you've been in one, however, can make a world of difference. Daniel L. Hightower has been fighting for accident victim justice in Ocala and statewide since 1976. After meeting with Dan and his team, you'll know your case matters, that you matter, and that Dan will fight hard to get you just results. If you've been severely injured through no fault of your own by a careless or reckless driver, you need Daniel L. Hightower. Uh, I want to tell you about Center State Bank, uh, our community bank. They're uh, a place we go not just to bank, but also to connect. And many functions are held in this beautiful building right here. Uh, Center State Bank, of course, is known for 
its long-term horizon of finances and loans. Also, they have world-class service, relationship banking. Uh, they have uh, uh, very good, uh, hold on one second, I want to do this to Edgar. Okay, Edgar, stand by one second. Stand by, Edgar. I'm in the middle of reading a spot about Center State Bank. They, are, of course, uh, the seventh largest bank in the state of Florida. Uh, they have, uh, they believe in relationship banking and faith and family. If you want to know more about uh, Center State Bank, go on to centerstatebank.com and check out the 82 locations in 30 Florida counties. And remember, Center State Bank centered on community and customer service. Back now to Edgar Thompson or Hunter Thompson, or whoever you choose. No one ever plans a car accident. Having a plan after you've been in one, however, can make a world of difference. Daniel L. Hightower has been fighting for accident victim justice in Ocala. I used to, ha I have an account with Center State, in fact. Yeah, they were gained, they were Florida citizens right around the corner from me. I'm 34, 14, my, yeah. account, my account. I'm nice. one of the first ones. But no, here, so I don't know where we left off with Jones, but here's yeah, what I said. Go ahead, finish I, up with Jones, and I have two questions for you, all right? Okay, I'll tell you what I thought, but go all ahead. Right. There you go. Go ahead. I don't think they should redshirt him. I don't know yeah. quarterbacks and development and all that like Dan Mullen does. Why wouldn't you, this kid, if he's good enough, is he really going to be your starter for four straight seasons? I mean, you're going to try to recruit over him at, all along. Is he going to start four straight years? Who does that? Nobody does that. So if he's what you think he's going to be, he might be gone anyway after whatever four years. Anyway, I say Dan Mullen plays him, gets him acclimatized to the college game for the next whatever five games. He has more film on him from college games, and he goes into spring like feeling like, I'm competing for this job. This is my job to lose. And you get him rolling. That's what I say. You okay. get him rolling. And you keep winning the games because Felipe still is your guy, and you give him real competition next year. Because Kyle Trask, for whatever reason, I don't know what it is, can't seem to even get in the conversation. Correct. All right, I'm going to disagree with you on part of that and agree with you on the other part. And talk. Trask part is part of the reason he can't make it on the field. There's a reason someplace he can't make it on the field. But here's why I say, what are you going to gain from actually playing him two more games? You can play him in two now. What are you going to gain by playing him in two more games? Uh, and is it going to get you another if win? Three, yes. Well, it's no, three. he's played in two, right? Well, yeah, but he can play in the bowl game too. Well, if you want to count the bowl game, I'm talking yeah, the regular five season. Games to go, but but no, look, that's what everyone's saying. I'm I'm in the minority. I say get the kid ready, just keep getting him reps, keep building his package, keep giving him more. Let's see him throw some more. Let him read some defenses and and get some film against real competition and not just you know what you're getting in the spring and. I mean, these guys know what the other team's doing on the other side. I mean, they know what the Gators' defense is running. That isn't the same thing. Yeah. Well, all right, a couple questions uh, here on, uh, regarding uh, uh, injuries. What do fans, hmm? fans think? Is anybody weighing in? Well, uh, I think it's mixed. Uh, uh, yeah. Right now, uh, uh, some people are agreeing with you. Uh C.J. Stafford says, what if this is Frank's team in the locker room? Should Dan risk the process on starting Emory? And you just mentioned that yourself. 
I don't know about starting him. I'm just saying playing him. Well, okay, but I mean he's build the clips, Frank. Yeah, just keep giving him packages. Yeah, and build the package. Yeah, uh, yeah, and so uh, Von Durant says we need to get him ready for next season because we play Miami, one of the third game in Kentucky, then Tennessee. Well, I mean, he's going to get ready. He's not going to get that much more ready by playing two more games or whatever, man. Three more. Uh, no, I mean, I'm not going to argue with you, dude. I uh, mean, I see the. I don't line. see the. I don't see the the games of it. I mean, if you think the guy's going to actually get out and play and uh, play play uh, half a game, you know, and he could, by the way, against Idaho, you never know. But is that fair to Kyle Trask? I don't know. I say let's let the guy redshirt this year because you know why he's not going to come out in his third year. Because he's not going to play in the NFL at that level right away. He's four he years may to never develop. Be an NFL well, but he, he may. He pl- not be big enough. Well, but he's got four years to grow. You see, that's yeah, the only look, chance he's got. Everybody's making the point. Nick Delatore is the only one who's even slightly agreed with my stance, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying I'm adamant about it. I can look. I'll defer to Dan Mullen on developing a quarterback. Period. Yeah. Let's see what he does. Yeah, uh, you ask the fans. Lauren Meadows says, play him two more games. Don't burn his red shirt, according to Lauren Meadows. Uh, and, and then uh, Lynn Tindall, who's one of our more uh, erudite fans, says, uh, give Emory more drives to get in a rhythm and see what he does. He's supporting your idea. See, that's uh, what I like. Let's see what he does. And then mm-hmm. if he looks better, then you just say, yeah, we're going with this kid. Yeah. Because uh, I think we're clear what Felipe Franks is. We've seen 16 starts now. Yeah, and then um, I think the job is going to be open next fall. But I, I don't think at this point in time that the job will be won by Emory Jones, okay? I just don't that's think. Uh, and that, that's my position. I may be wrong. Look, uh, look, others, I, I think I'm taking extremes. Too. Well, others agree with you, by the way. Others agree with you. Um and, you know, Danny Williams says the Gators win their next two games, play the best players. Well, I'm not sure Emory Jones is the best player. I'm just not right now. Well, he's fumbled twice. In yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he's Honest. ready to go out there against Georgia and play a whole game. I mean, just not. But anyway, so it's a, it's a topic that's always going to be. And C.J. Stafford brings up the point, well, what if he's better? What do you do then? I mean, you make the change now. Well, if he's clearly better, but you know and I know, you aren't going to have enough time to figure that out. You, there's not no. enough sample size to say this guy is clearly better, you know. So um, Dan Mullen is very, very bright, and he might need like—I mm-hmm. mean, he really is. I mean, Pat Forty floated this whole thing. Did mm-hmm. you see this? Uh, he does a forty-yard dash, so it's mm-hmm. forty items. Third mm-hmm. item thirty-five was on. It was a mid a thing on coaching mm-hmm. NFL coaching prospects from the college ranks. Right. Lincoln Riley let it off. They were saying he might go to Cleveland. Right. Baker Mayfield re- reunited. Yeah. Um, Etc. Thirty-five. Dallas Cowboys. Dan Mullen reunited with Dak Prescott, and I'm. Everyone's like, my God, that's crazy. And I'm like, yeah, it is. But I will say this: Dan Mullen has a presence. And in a level of intelligence that I'm impressed, man, with Dan Mullen, big time. And so he might only need need only like 10 snaps, 15 snaps of Emory Jones scattered over the next couple of weeks to see what he needs to see. He's like, you know, he, he knows what he's doing. I don't. <laughs> yeah. So 
I trust Dan Mullen's process on developing Emory Jones. But I will leave you with this thought, and I ask you one more question. I got to go. That is this: I've been around a bit. Okay, I've seen a lot of these rodeos, a lot of them, and I can tell you unequivocally from my entire life that when you have a quarterback who struggles slightly, everybody thinks the next guy's going to be better. Oh, they course. always say he's the most popular guy on the team is the backup quarterback. You know, there's no evidence to convince me right now that Emory Jones will do any better. So from what, based on what I've seen, I don't see practice than what they've got on the field right now. And oh, as, as Dooley said sure. tonight, again, I quoted him four times, he says he has improved in small increments for six weeks or so, and then he's he regressed after last week. Now the question is, how does he come out Saturday? If he regresses, then it's time to think about it. If he doesn't come out and respond, then you got to evaluate it. Right now, based on what I've seen, Red shirt Emory Jones. That's my take. All right, Edgar. Uh, I said I promoted well, the show. He's given up 288 a game passing last in the SEC, yeah. so Felipe should have a good day. Could be. Uh, tell me real quick uh, what uh, you think. How will Florida bounce back? That's the question on the table. How will Florida bounce back? And can the Gators bounce back? And do they realize what's at play here? Well, I mean, I said it. that was my opening. I mean, I kind of took the question in a different direction, you asked me. And what did I, but what tell me how. My, tell me how. But you were initially like, what did I learn? Right. And I said, it's, it's more, what are we going to learn? Yeah. And that's I stick with it. We Let's see what this team, and I want to see what the fans do. Honestly, buddy. Yeah. I want to see, I mean, are these fans all in on Dan Mullen? I want to see it. They should be. I'm excited about Dan Mullen. Well, I mean, I'd be a little week, disappointed in the way they reacted to the game on Saturday. They showed up late and left early. It was a deflating loss. I get it. Uh, it no. deflated the media. This is not Athens, though. It was deflating even for of us. Of course it was. Not because we wanted the Gators, but because yeah. it's like, uh, now we got Missouri. Because we're so built so going. so built up and we, uh, exactly. expectations were high. I get it. I understand it's that. It's deflating. So let's see how yeah. a deflated All right. football team balances. Give me your final. Out. Give me your last thought. i got to go do That's something. That's it. That's Let's it. see how a deflated football team like bounces back under Dan Mullen. I think that right. he has this team believing in itself and All confident. Right. Let's see how much they right. listen to this guy. I like it. And by the way, I like Hunter Thompson to come back again sometime. All right. Well, here we got my cigarette holder. All right, right, dude. I think you found your – don't put that gun up there. It's Stop it. Plastic. I can't keep rescuing you, Edgar, when you do these things. Stop it. It's a plastic <laughs> I don't gun. care. People use those in holdups. And the cops don't like it. Don't flash yeah. that gun, it dude. It goes back in my closet tonight. This yeah. thing I dusted I, off after I like hope years. I can get away from it by, for, by saying it's a Halloween costume. But, Ted, come it. Don't get in trouble, all right? I gotta, I'm not going anywhere, dude. I'm cutting you off. I'm this show is seen by 5,000 people, man. You got to be careful. You never know. Thank you. Thank you for watching, everybody. <laughs> okay, Edgar. Good night, night buddy. Talk to you next week, buddy. Thank you very much. Hey, Appreciate it. Take care. Edgar. All right. Edgar, man. I like Edgar. It's fun. And... Sometimes it's fun to, you know, to uh, to have a guy who's a little different, you know. We don't want everybody to be the same boring, dull person like me, right? So uh, I enjoy Edgar. Um, and we're going to continue to have him on, by the way. So, um, And I don't know if you're familiar with Cassidy or not, uh, but uh, I hope I got her number right. Uh uh, let's see, Cassie, what was your Skype number? Now i got to remember it. <clears throat> uh, 
know, for some reason or other, I'm not getting her number. All right, where was that number, Cassidy? Um, I'm going to call Cassidy Hill. She's a writer for um, InsideTheGators.com, and she's very good at uh, at her beat. And she did a couple of interesting things this past year, um, this past week, excuse me, that caught my eye. And one thing I love about reporters, I love reporters who observe it, who are observant, you know, uh, who uh, <clears throat> you know who get it, who, who keep their eyes and ears open. Uh, and I, I love that Cassidy, um, you know, could uh, bring us some things that we haven't seen other places. Uh, so uh, I asked her to come on the show tonight, uh, and it looks like I'm going to have to dial her number on here to get it. So let me do that while we're waiting. Uh, and I can't get her on uh, Skype for some reason. Um, uh, yeah, and, and I think, I, I, you know, we all write the same stuff. Anybody can go out uh, and, and do uh, and do a, uh, a game story and say who, who won, uh, who how many yards they made and what how many times they went for and third down, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, but it takes a special person who is observant to be able to pick up the nuances of things. And when someone does something like Cassie just did, uh, when someone notices uh, that, um, uh, you know, all the players went out and stood on the field and stood and sang the, the, uh, the alma mater. Now, why is that significant? Well, it's significant because it shows you there's some order, okay? It shows you some, there's some order to, to, to this team that they didn't forget everything, uh, when they, when they, when they, and they lost the game. Cause it was very debilitating, obviously, uh, and something that, uh, uh, that, that could take your mind off of things. And that's what happens. It's like Mike Tyson said, everybody has a game plan until they get hit in the mouth. Well, the Gators got hit in the mouth, uh, and you think, okay, what happens to this team now? Cause this is significant. But what we're going to see coming up, and that's the question Edgar and I were talking about there, whether or not this team can hold it together, because there's a lot at stake here. So we're going to find out if this happens. And so this is a small little thing that we saw, but still it was something significant because it involved discipline and involved a team doing something Hello? together. This would be Cassidy Hill, whose number I can't get off of Skype for some reason. So we're calling her on her land, or her land, or not landlines anymore. Cassidy, how are you? Hey, hey, buddy, I'm good. How are you? Okay, sorry, I couldn't get you on on Skype. I don't know why, but uh, so anyway, no I got your picture on the screen, which is so people can see what you look like. You've been on once before, so I, I enjoyed your your story, and I mostly I really all enjoyed your observant reporting on your Twitter tweet, and I was saying why it was significant that the players went on the field and sang alma mater together. Because mm -hmm. this is the whole textbook thing about what happens when you get hit, hit in the mouth. They just got hit hard in the mouth. And were they going to follow some kind of order? Were they going to follow the protocol? Was this going to be every man for himself throwing himself on the sideline? And they, they kind of held it together, I think, which is what that little tweet told me. And as I said, I like little nuances in reporting. I mean, a lot of us can go interview, uh, you know, the players after the game. But someone who sees it and under, and understands the significance of it, like yourself, good for you. Well, thank you. Um, and I think it's 
it just stood out because it's something we had not seen for the past few years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they go and do it after a win as well. Um, and even after a win, it's something we had not seen for the past few years. And after the win, they sing the alma mater and the fight song. But mm-hmm. even after a loss, they still go sing the alma mater. And it, it just stood out because, you know, my very first year covering Florida football was that 2012 season where they went all the way to the Sugar Bowl. And after the Sugar Bowl, where they got beat like they were in a woodshed, after that game, everyone went straight to the locker room except for one guy. It was a guy named Darren Kitchens. He was like a linebacker. And he stood over there and he stood and held his helmet up while the band played the alma mater. And to go from that to where they are now, and I think I saw somebody else mention that on Twitter as well, to go from that to where they are now is really just incredible because, it, you know, coaches talk about a culture change and they preach it and they say that's what they want to do. There is an actual example of it working is when you see them go standing over there, all standing over there, some of them with tears going down their face because that was a tough loss. Um, even with some of them with tears running on their face, standing there, still singing the alma mater with the band. Mm. So it really stood out. Yeah. And you know, by the way, a little history of how that started, don't you? Uh, I think Urban Meyer did it, right? No, Steve Spurrier. Oh, okay. And it was, we used to always watch them on the field. They couldn't didn't know the words most of the time. <clears throat> and uh, everybody knows certain lines. Sorry. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah. but Marv continued, Marv started the, the tradition of going over in front of the band and singing it, I think. But mm-hmm. the Sawyer's team was standing on the field and singing it. But th- those were, and prior to that, nobody did it. So, uh, uh, but nonetheless, uh, listen, I read your story. Uh, I think you're looking for the path, the way to bounce back. We know what's at stake mm-hmm. here about this. We know, we understand there's a lot at stake. Uh, and the question, and of course, it's the same old thing with Mullen, who I like a lot. It's like, how will they respond? I don't know what you've been able to find out at practice the last couple of days or after practice because you're going to see practice. But have you had any word on how they're responding? I think that it's going to be a little bit of a different response than it was after Kentucky. Mm-hmm. After that Kentucky loss, it hurt because, you know, they lost the streak. But they were only two games into their season at that point and into an early season of what they knew was going to be a rebuilding year. So as much as it hurt to lose the streak, as far as for this team and what they want to do, a loss, it wasn't going to ruin their season, so to speak. And now, eight games in, expectations shot up sky high, especially after that LSU win. And you know that as much as you want to temper expectations – those conversations did start happening about the SEC championship. Mm-hmm. And during the bye week, you know, I asked Felipe Franks um, during the bye week, how crazy is it that you're able to stand here right now and talk about even the college football playoffs without seeming completely ridiculous? So those conversations had started happening. The expectations had gone up. So that loss, I think was the loss to Georgia was a little bit more deflating than the loss to Kentucky. And I think you saw that in some of the guys afterwards because after that Kentucky loss, they were upset. Obviously, you never want to lose, but they were still pretty upbeat. After the Georgia loss, they were they were pissed mm-hmm. <laughs> is the best way to say it. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's going to be a little bit of a different way to handle it. And uh, that was something I really wanted to know. And, and luckily, Edgar got to ask uh, Mullen that on Monday, how do you handle this loss? 
versus maybe how you handled the Kentucky one. Mm -hmm. And Mullen basically said, I don't have a playbook for it. I don't do it the same way after each game. It really depends on what the player's attitude is, you know, maybe what happened in that game, where we are in the season, what we still need to fight for. Each one is different. And I think he is having to handle this one a little different because after Kentucky, he was able to say, hey, that's okay, guys. Look, we got a lot to learn from. Here's what we did wrong. Here's where we can grow. This one was he's having to remind them, don't give up. Like, don't let your season fall apart here like you did last year because we know what happened last year. They lost to Georgia. Jim McElwain was fired. And then they turned around, they go up to Columbia, Missouri. And you want to talk about getting kicked in the mouth, that one – they were already down, and they just got mm-hmm. pummeled into the ground. Mm-hmm. And it, when you're out there, like you said, we don't get to see practice with the staff. But that's fine. Each one's different. We don't get to see practice. But when we go out there after practice for the media, you're seeing them kind of break down and then going into their individual units to finish things off. It, it, it is a little bit of a different feel than after that Kentucky loss. And I don't say this to scare fans, not at all. It It's a little bit more of a – they were upset and they had to work it out on that practice field. And listen, I, I'm not saying that this team's about to run off and go to a national championship or anything like that, but it stood out to me because a few weeks ago when I was, um, I did a thing with Ahmad Black and Tim Tebow for the 2008 championship going back mm-hmm. through it. And they both said that after that old Miss loss, that that next practice was the worst practice they've ever been a part of as far as just how physical it was. Mm-hmm. And that when they got to the practice field that day, there were fights. The offense and defense were having to be pulled apart. That they were they were mad and they were taking it out on each other. But by the time they worked it out, which is such a guy thing to say, you know, we just had to punch it out. Mm-hmm. And by the time they worked it out and by the time that practice was over, they knew they were a team. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where this team is right now. Again, not saying they're about to go win a national championship this season. But that's where they're at in the terms of their mindset. They got to practice on Monday, and they were mad. And I, it, just from my point of view, somebody else may say something completely different, but they seemed mad. And Juwan Taylor, the safety, said that after Monday's practice. He said, today was physical. We just had to work it out on that field. Mm. And as soon as he said that, it, it, it clicked yeah. because, like I said, Parallel. Black said mm-hmm. sort of the same thing. Yeah. yeah, I think they just had to get out there and work it out, and that's something that – Shows the difference in this team and this staff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Bailey Carlton, who, work, who writes for Gator Country, pointed this out to the to me the other night. Last year after that Georgia loss, Jim McElwain made the comment, there's a lot of heartbroken guys in that locker room. Mm-hmm. Saturday night after the Georgia loss this year, Mullen said, there's a lot of guys in that locker room ready to get back out on the practice field and fix mm-hmm. a little bit wrong. Yeah, I saw They're that. Excited. I saw that. And I think it was your tweet. It's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but let me ask. And, and that's the thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just saying, and that's the difference, and I think that's kind of where they're at right now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, at, for a fan, that Monday and Tuesday, if you had heard that practice report, probably would have scared you, and I understand that, but I wouldn't be worried. Um, they may go out Saturday and lose. If there's one game on the rest of their schedule they're going to lose, it's probably going to be Saturday just because of Drew Locke and because mm-hmm. of Missouri's run defense. Yeah. But, I still think they have a good chance to win, and if they were able to work it out on the practice field the way they said they did, then they'll be fine. Yeah, well, well said. Uh, I wanted to present this as a point of reference and get your thoughts. I made this comment the other night, and someone accused me of, of, of talking about moral victories, and I didn't mean it that way at all. 
But I think we we talk we place value on things, games played, and how you played, and that's how you get rankings. That's why the committee puts Florida eleven because they play three top ten teams and beat one. Uh, and so obviously they think Florida is you know still a very good team, one of the eleven best in the country. And so there's something to be said for the resume in that regard. The question is, how did the Florida fans felt about it? I can tell you how it felt to me. What felt to me like was, I mean, every mistake they could make almost, and they should have been down 21 to nothing. They were down 10 nothing. And then when they came back and went ahead on 14-13, I thought, here comes the Gators. They're going to win this game. I really felt that. And I'm not necessarily Pollyannish. I don't get up there and my pom-poms out, but it just felt to me like they were going to. And then, of course, the reality set in when you're running out of defensive backs, you got safeties playing corner, you know, and, and Georgia's got coaches too. They see who's playing in the secondary, and Fromm delivered. Fromm delivered the, the ball where he had to deliver it, and Florida couldn't do anything about it. Uh, and so, so how do you chalk, chalk this one up? Well, you chalk it up to misfortune. The worst thing that happened was C.J. Henderson getting hurt. That was bad. Uh, Felipe's mistakes, and yet they overcame those. Felipe is a resilient quarterback in that regard. He didn't have a conscience like guys that get burned sometimes playing corner, um, and, and that's a good thing. Uh, and now in the end, you try to say, okay, what does this all mean? Was Florida as good or better than Georgia? You can't really say that because you haven't got any evidence to that. You can't, you can only say it by the eye test. But frankly, I thought they were. They just didn't get the job done. So you got to concede it to Georgia and say, okay, there's a reason they're ranked six in the country or whatever. <clears throat> but I, I took it as kind of an encouraging sign, but a very defleeting, defeating, uh, deflating defeat because because of what was there. You're in the game, it's winnable, and with 10 minutes to go and you don't get the job done. So that can take a lot out of a club, right? So this is the reason why this week is extremely important to see how they respond. Because if they're not careful, Drew Locke can light them up in the secondary. And this is the thing. But there's so much to play for. My question being around the team, and it sounds like you've talked to Felipe, you've talked to others, you talked to him about his fumbles, which he told you about how he had to work on. Uh, it's hard to measure attitude when you don't really spend that much time, but you're feeding at this point in time on Wednesday before the Missouri game. Do you think the proper, do you think the right kind of thinking is going on with this team? Yes. I will say yes. And a big that is just seeing how they have responded so far throughout this season. And a big part of that is, is Dan Mullen and what the mindset he's given them. Um, I think that they come away from that Georgia loss and they see what they did wrong. And look, this is just my opinion. I thought Florida could win against Georgia. I I even thought up until about six minutes left in the game that they were going to come back and win. But I don't know if that necessarily means Florida's the better team. I think Florida, and no disrespect to Kirby, he's done a heck of a job in Athens, um, but I think Dan Mullen's a better coach, and he puts his players in the better positions. That being said, I think Georgia's still the better team, and you can argue, well, if Florida doesn't make those mistakes, they win. Yeah, but a good team doesn't make all those mistakes. Georgia didn't. And so that's where it gets a little bit complicated in that regard. But that being said, Florida still is looking back at that game and looking at all the different ways they could have won. Freddie Swain 
came into the postgame media, sat down, and the first thing he said was, I don't think the better team won today. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, I may not agree with him on paper, but that's the mindset he should have. And he, he wasn't just saying it as like filler or coach speak or, or anything like that. He truly mm-hmm. believed that Florida was the better team and they should have won that mm-hmm. day. That's what they need to be thinking. Right. And having saw the way they bounced back after Kentucky to and you know, just demolished Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I think this loss is different than Kentucky, than the Kentucky loss. But seeing the way they bounced back, seeing the way they stayed strong after the Mississippi State win, seeing the way they stayed strong after the LSU win and seeing the way they came out after that Vandy game and, and did come out swinging versus Georgia does give me confidence that they will come into Saturday and know what they did wrong against Georgia and to make sure they don't do that again. Because every week, whatever went wrong the week before, they have fixed it the next week. Vanderbilt, they went down 21 nothing against Georgia. Yeah, they lost, but they they made sure not to get into a big hole. They stayed stronger. They didn't come out in the first half and play lackadaisical. They came out swinging. I mean, if Felipe connects on that flea flicker to Van Jefferson, who knows what the game looks like after that? That and the and other so, mistakes that were made, and you know, uh, along the way for sure. But but then you get into that uh, what if, what if, what if, and you just can't play that game. I just say uh, right. what happened happened, and that's but it. That's just saying, yeah, you know, they didn't. They didn't do that against Vandy, so they did it against Georgia. Yeah. And so, you know, I think the different mistakes that they've made, they've been able to fix them. And then yeah, the yeah. mistakes crop up. That's just what happens, sure. especially with a younger, inexperienced team. Sure. And so I see them getting that fixed Saturday, and having C.J. Henderson back will make a world, a world of Yes, difference. that's good news. Um, by the way, just not to interrupt you. They have to have them over the Yes, day. they do. But And by the way, Missouri didn't make a first down in the second half. So their offense can't be too right. powerful. Uh, yes. Uh, so, so in, in, you know, in, in, in golf, they always talk about their, their shrinks, the swing coaches shrink. They tell them always, uh, what can you take out positive out of this? Take something positive out of the round. And they also, well, I had that great iron shot at 16 or whatever it was. And, and there's certainly something to take out of this game, which is really a remark. I tweeted this. It's one of the greatest goal line stands I have ever seen in Florida football history. Unbelievable. And and I see Todd Grantham today also was quoted as saying, I'll be honest, that's probably the greatest goal line stand I've ever been a part of. So he, I wasn't the only person who thought that. I mean, the, the, the mathematical part of that, if you break it down, by the way, Sometime this year, you might want to go back and just do the anatomy of a goal line stand and look at the play by play what happens. Because in reality, there were nine plays, not six. You know, when you go back and talk uh, about the penalty, I, I think there were seven or eight, and you got to talk about the penalty that got called so before the play well, there, went there off. There were six, six yeah. on the stat sheet, seven in real life, or something like that. Well, yeah, there was more than what the stat sheet. There were more than that. I counted. I counted, and if you if you take the penalties and add them in, that's how you get that number. But anyway, uh, the, 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 the and they were obviously anyway. Let's put it this way: there were more than six, and uh, the, exactly. there were six. There were just uh, from the one yard line running plays. There was also a pass play, you know. And so anyway, I think it would be good to go back and look at that on every play. And every person who was involved, whether it's Ankrum, you know, whether it's uh, Zaniga coming off the edge, whatever, phenomenal. And what a, and what I, that showed me was great heart. 
that team really gave everything. And then my friend Terry Bradshaw was watching the game out in L.A., and, and he's become a Gator fan. And as soon as they didn't get anything out of that, he got mad and said, I can't believe they didn't get anything out of that goal line stand. I'm going to the bar. <laughs> he took off to the bar. And, and, I bet a lot of Gator fans were. Yeah, and, but, and that was so. But, again, taking something out of that, again, if you could build on something like that, if Felipe can correct his mistakes, because I said this at the beginning, I still say it. You don't find six foot six, two hundred forty pound guys with a really strong arm falling off the back of turnip trucks. Okay, he's a physical specimen. He was never coached before. Let's see what he can do when he's coached up. He's done okay. He can do better. He's done okay. As I said to my friend tonight at the quarterback club meeting, if I told you, I'm repeating myself, last June that Felipe Franks is your quarterback. And your team is going to be six and two and ranked eleventh in the country. Would you have taken it? And of course, you would have taken it. So you got to realize where you came from. Sometime. Absolutely, he's the biggest quarterback Florida has had since Cam Newton, and for that matter, he's bigger than Chris Leak or Tim Tebow was. And so, you know, just figure out a way to use him while you can. Hmm. You can't go. Well, I mean, I don't want to say you can't go wrong, but I mean, you. uh you have to figure out a way to use that, and I think Dan Mullen has. Um, yeah. But to go back to what you were saying, absolutely, that goal line stand, build off of that for the rest of this season, build off that for the rest of the off season. use that in recruiting. I mean, that was mm-hmm. – Yeah. I've watched a lot of football, buddy, not, not near as much as you were Todd Grant, mm-hmm. but I've watched a lot, and I've, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that. A one-play goal line stand is impressive. So to do it seven times – Unbelievable. And – they got a little bit of help a couple of times from that phantom uh, pass interference call on C.J. McWilliams, moved it closer. Have you looked at that, by the way, because I haven't looked at it. Have you really looked close at that? I haven't. I I haven't gone back and watched it again and again, but I saw it in real time. Mm -hmm. And then I saw it on the video board replay. They played it about six times Mm -hmm. while the refs were, uh, like, talking. And then I saw it on the TV replay. It's yet... I, it's one of those it's just a 50-50 ball I think that every call a ref will tell you is a little bit subjective and there's times you just have to let them play mm. when it's in the end zone like that yeah. you don't make that call there yeah. not not when it's that it, just by the hair yeah. you know if that's on the 35 yard line and it's it may be but in that situation, in that in that time, I don't think you make that call. Yeah, I might have heard someone said they but thought I, they saw him holding the jersey of the elbow, I, but I have not seen it, so I can't comment on it. But uh, yeah. well, listen, I, I gotta let you go, and I gotta go. But I want to thank you for your time and for your excellent reporting and your very good writing. I hope you come back with us again and and, and shed some more knowledge with us, and uh, and we'll be and tell people where they can, they can sign up for the insidegames dot com and read your stuff. Right, tell people how to get that. Yes, sir. You can go to InsideTheGators.com and sign up for a yearly membership. You can do a preview for a dollar just to kind of take a peek around and see mm-hmm. if you want to bite the bullet, which you will. Mm-hmm. Or you can do a founder's membership where it's just a one-time uh, fee and, and you're considered a founding member. They're very lucky to have you and appreciate your effort, your, your contributions there and here. Well, thank you very much, buddy. Cassidy Hill bring us the stuff from the Gator B. Thank you, Cassidy. Talk to you later. Thanks. Talk to you later. All right. Always good to get Cassidy on and uh, 
bright up and comer. Uh, she does good good work. Okay, I want to tell you about a couple more things before I let you go tonight. Uh, one of them is uh, I want to tell you about uh, a favorite place to go eat, and I've altered the menu for you here a little bit. Woo-hoo-hoo. They look good at what? You got shrimp scampi on the left and a nice huge piece of filet premium beef on the right. I, go, I could not eat, ever eat both those, but I thought those are some pretty pictures of food right there. And that didn't make you hungry at 10 o'clock at night. Well, well Mark's Prime Steakhouse and Seafood serves this kind of food. That's actual pictures right there of their food. Uh, I don't know what those are called. They're scampi on the left and obviously a filet on the right. But uh, if you want to find out, you can go to Ocala or Gainesville. There are two locations to serve you. Gainesville, 352-336-0077. Call them for reservations. In Ocala, 352-402-0097. They have complimentary valet parking, which you'll be glad of when it's a cold night or some, Ill, Ill, some weather coming. You can get in that uh, at that valet and uh, stay dry or stay warm. One of the best restaurants in Florida, by the way, and I've eaten a lot of steakhouses, and Mark's is right up there with them. they got uh, that unique dining experience, and they give you the promise that they'll please your palate and soothe your soul when it comes to food. So check them out, Mark's Prime Steakhouse. You can go online, marksprimesteakhouse.com, and find out why everybody loves Mark's Steakhouse. Uh, also, I want to tell you about... Let's get Cassie's picture off here. Uh, I'm looking for Christmas gifts and some things I could buy already, uh, like little simple things, that maybe not too expensive. I thought, well, why not try uh, something different? And um, I think, well, here. Let's see if I can find the rest of this uh, stuff here. You see a couple of Christmas gifts right there. Um, and uh, you, can go to, you can go to Tupperware. I went, over, I went to Jen Lay. Uh, I went, actually went to a, a Tupper. I went to a Facebook Tupperware, Tupperware and Jen uh, tonight and looked at these things. Uh, there's that little pumpkin right there, uh, and I uh, had an opportunity to uh, uh, to check out some of the cutlery, some of the things you can get. As soon as I get that, that up, I'll get that uh, Tupperware logo up. Uh, and it's something different. Uh, you, people can order this online. Uh, you can order it for them. There's that sign. Uh, and Jen Lay, uh, is, uh, got a little business going there and she does a good job with it. Uh, we like to support her. She's been supporting us for a long, long time. Uh, and, uh, I'm trying it out. I bought a couple of things there. I'm going to buy some more. Uh, if you, if you, if you don't want it for tailgating, you can use it for the holidays because it's got, uh, there's all kinds of things you can buy. I mean, there's, 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 there's receptacles. There's stuff to put your, your, uh, leftovers in. You can get chips and dips. Uh, you can get the things for holidays for chips and dips, etc. Go to, uh, to H, go to, uh, to dinlay.my.cupware.com and find out how you can purchase your product or, or search Tupperware Gin on Facebook and find out about this. The organization, if you have one to raise funds for, let Tupperware know. They'll give you 40% of all the sales proceeds back to, to your organization and, uh, they can, they can take care of you there, help you raise some money. So contact Tupperware Gin today. Find out how to host a party or earn free hostess gifts. Tupperware. Been around for a long time. It's going to be around for a lot longer. Try it out. Okay. Um, let's see here if I can get together and do one more thing before I say goodnight to you. Gosh, it was great to see Scott Bradley tonight and his article in today's paper. Star Banner, I think it might have been The Sun, too. 
uh, about uh, the greatest players in the high school football playoffs since, since 1963. Richard Burton is a great, he has a book out, which I'm going to buy a copy of. It's took him seven years. It's like 700 pages. There's all kind of data in there. And uh, he'll be going to the quarterback club this next week. And he is, uh, 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 he's got information nobody else has got. Uh, and I'm going to buy, these books are about $69. I'm going to buy one. Uh, because I want it for my records, but he, he did a thing in the paper of picking the best players, the best games, like the best game was, uh, a playoff was, uh, was, I think it was, uh, Buholtz and was it Buholtz and Vanguard? Is that what it was? Or Gainesville and Vanguard? Anyway, uh, it was Doug Johnson. So, uh, versus Dante Culpepper. And the number one defensive player ever in the playoffs was this guy, Scott Brantley. He was named number one, uh, in this is one of the things we're proud of at the quarterback club, which are honoring Scott and honoring football all throughout the area. You see the six county area there. The committee of the quarterback club has done a fantastic job. We had, uh, coach of Buholtz this week, uh, and talking about his players and we'll have uh, narrowed down to six or seven players and a committee of scouts and people will be, uh, will be picking those players of the final three. The final three will come in and they'll come to the club and meet people at the club. And we're going to select that winner sometime after the first of the year. It's going to be a big event in the spring and we'll have a super duper superstar speaker at that event. And we're going to honor the best not just high school football player, but the best student, high school football player, leader, uh, community activist, etc. cetera, uh, person overall, all-rounded. And, and we're going to celebrate football and celebrate the, that young man. And so it's going to be great. It'll be the first winner of the Scott Brantley Trophy. And, again, thanks to folks at the O'Connor Quarterback Club, uh, including Danny Williams of Danny Williams Appraisal Team, Dr. Frank Canova of, of Orthopedics. Uh, he's... Both supporters of the program, supporters of the quarterback club, and uh, without them, we couldn't get the word out about the quarterback club. So thank you, Dr. Gannon, and thank you, Danny, for that. All right? Um, I think I've got everything covered, except I don't think I've mentioned MenStar, which I want to do. One of our premier sponsors, uh, they support our program but have for a long time. My friends over there, uh, including Mary Brantley um, um, and uh, Joe Sorrentino, support all things in the community and we love what they do they're also a first class research facility that you can go there for clinical trials find out about how to treat illnesses in our community the data they get is empirical they send it off to the major companies uh, biomedical companies and they help them do the research to get treatment for people who are ill and suffering things like Alzheimer's and psoriasis and osteoarthritis, migraine headaches and fibromyalgia. Uh, and uh, Redstar collects all the information and been doing it for a long time. So if you want to know more about them, go online to www.redstar.net and find out about their research clinical trials. You can be a part of them, or you can call Ocala 352-69-5800, and they sponsor this particular event, the Red Star Star of the Week of the Scott Brantley Trophy. And this is Brian Mara, who's going to Tennessee as we speak. He set a record for you for a single season um, passing yardage this year, and uh, he is having quite a year. So uh, congratulations to Brian Mara, who is a strong candidate for the Scott Brantley Trophy. And thank you, Red Star, for all the good things you do in the community. Red Star Medical Research, seeking tomorrow's answers to the health questions of today. 
Okay, uh, that's going to wrap it up for tonight. We're going to, uh, tomorrow night, we'll have some more things for you to look at, uh, some gear, hopefully, from all Florida sports wear, uh, and, and show you some of the stuff they've got. And you still can maybe get a little something a little warmer than what you got. And uh, I'll just say uh, we're getting close to that 5,000 number. Let's hope that uh, we're going to hit it tonight or tomorrow. And thank you for everybody from GNK and for all the people watching the show tonight. I know it's a tough night with Halloween, trick-or-treaters, and everything else, but thank you for hanging in there. Thank you for sharing with us this evening. Have a good night, everybody.